out of the King James Version, verse 22, if we can, uh, you know, this is going to be a pretty significant uh, number of verses, so I know the custom is to stand to reverence the Word of God, but if, if not, that's okay tonight because we're reading a lot of verses. Verse 22 says, And straightway Jesus constrained his disciples to get into a ship and to go before him unto the other side. Somebody say the other side. While he sent the multitudes away, and when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up into a mountain apart to pray. And when the evening was come, he was there alone. But the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with the waves, for the wind was contrary. And verse 25 says, In the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them, waking, walking on the sea. Jesus was walking on the sea. He wasn't standing. He was walking on the sea. Verse 26 says, And when the disciples saw him walking, not standing, but walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a spirit. And they cried out for fear. But straightway, verse 27, Jesus spake unto them, saying, Be of good cheer. It is I. Be not afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee on the water. Then he, Jesus, said, Come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw the wind boisterous, he was again afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried, saying, Lord, save me. Somebody say, Lord, save me, save me, save me. Verse 31, and immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him and said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? And when they were come into the ship, the wind ceased. They that were there in the ship came and worshiped him, saying, O of truth, thou art the Son of God. I'd like to put a particular focus on verse 28 where it says and Peter answered him and said Lord if thou bid me come come unto thee on the water and Jesus said come and verse 30 says but when he saw somebody say when he saw the wind he was afraid father God we thank you for the word of God that goes forth on tonight in power Lord, I pray that I would decrease, that you may increase, O God. I thank you that there's ears to hear on tonight, O God. Let everybody under the sound of my voice, God, be uh, in tune with your voice on tonight, God. It's you that's speaking tonight. It's not me, but it's you, Father God. I thank you, Lord, that there's an anointing here. Lord, the anointing breaks yokes. It also makes the word easy. It makes it makes revelation come forth. It makes miracles, signs, and wonders, O God, come forth. So, God, we welcome you in this place, and we thank you, Lord, that there's power, O God. O God, power to break strongholds. Power, O God, to overcome the enemy. Power, O God. O God, to believe the truth. Power, O God, to overcome lies, Father God. We thank you for power on tonight, and we ask that your power would be in this place, O God. We thank you that when this word is over, that we would leave changed, O God, and never the same again. In Jesus' name, everybody said thank God. God. Thank God. Amen. Welcome into this place. Welcome into this broken vessel. You desire to abide in the praises of your people. So I lift my hands and I lift my voice and I offer up 
praise unto your name. Everybody say welcome. Welcome. You know the song into this into this place. Lord, your spirit is welcome to dwell here. Welcome. I don't hear nobody. Into this broken vessel. You desire, he desires to abide in the praises of your people. So we lift our hands and we lift our voice and we offer up this praise unto your name. We're going higher. Welcome into, welcome, have step. to this place oh lord you're welcome jesus welcome into this broken vessel you desire you desire to abide in the praises of your people so i lift my hands and i lift my so i lift my hands so i lift come on it's an it's an offering my hands and i lift my voice and i lift my and i lift my hands i lift my hands and i lift my voice to offer up to offer up this praise unto your name to offer up this praise lord i offer up this praise unto one more time somebody offer it up to him lord i offer up this praise unto your name now lift those hands and just welcome his presence Come on, we've already had worship, we've already had praise, but lift those hands and welcome him in this place. Hallelujah. Lord, you're welcome to abide here. You're welcome to abide here. Your glory can be resident here. Your presence, oh God, can fill this room. Your anointing can come in this place tonight, Jesus. God, we need your anointing tonight, God, to break every yoke, oh God, to break every chain, God. Oh God, to lift every burden in the name of Jesus. I don't know what's happening, but but God, come in this place, God. God, fill this room, oh God. Fill the empty vessel in the name of Jesus, oh God. Lift the depression in the name of Jesus, Father God. Bring joy where there's despair right now in the name of Jesus, oh God. Somebody came tonight, God, needing a word. I said, somebody came tonight needing a word, Father God. And when the anointing comes, there's revelation power that comes. There's revelating power that comes. The word of God becomes begins to take form and to take life, oh God. And we thank you for it tonight in the name of Jesus, God. We worship you right now, God. We praise you right now, God. We thank you, Lord, that when the praises go up, God, the blessings come on down. I need somebody to help me pray right here. Thank you, Jesus, for your word that's getting ready to come forth, oh God. Thank you for power, oh God, in the name of Jesus. Jesus, God, huh? we decree power. Huh? We decree break. Oh, God, we decree breakthrough. Huh? God, we decree and declare freedom huh? in the name of Jesus. God, I decree right now. And Father, I declare right now, God, that as your word comes forth, huh, it shall not be stifled. Huh? But God, it will be sent out to accomplish. Huh? Oh, God, it will prosper in the thing that you sent it to do. Huh? I speak the word over everybody under the sound of my voice. Huh? There's been prayers. Huh? There's been prophecy. Huh? There's been words. There's been unfulfilled, oh God, goals and dreams and desires and visions. And God, right now, we activate dreams. We activate visions. We activate goals in the name of Jesus. And we say it is so. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. 
Thank you, Jesus. Have your seat. I feel power in here. I don't know about you, but I said I feel power. I feel power. Thank you, Holy Ghost. He's here. He's here. He, he's here. He's here. He's here. I said he's here. He's here. I'm not here. He's here. It's not me standing in front of you, but he's here. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Power, power, power. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Power, power, power. Thank you, Jesus. Matthew chapter 14. If there was a title or a subject that I could take, the subject would be stop looking at the water. Nudge your neighbor and say, neighbor, stop looking at the water. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Stop looking at the water. Stop looking at the wind. Chapter 14 of the book of Matthew is incorporating or is incorporated in the period of Jesus' Galilean ministry, a time where Jesus became known because of the many uh, miracles that he worked. He was working miracles in this time. If you study the life of Jesus, you'll see that there were phases. There were, there were uh, uh, if I can use this word, evolutions to how he became on the scene of working, Jesus, uh, working God's ministry through his life. He worked in uh, the lives of many people. Um, right before chapter 14, uh, the, the miracle of feeding the 5,000 people took place. It was uh, a, a miracle that he worked in front of many. Many were witnesses. His disciples were witnesses to that great miracle, and it led up to this next part and this next uh, item and this next miracle that uh, God had purposed that he would work in the land of Israel and in the lives of the Jews. He worked these miracles to instill and increase the faith of the Jewish people. I don't know about you, but whenever I see God move, whenever I see God work, whenever I see you benefiting and you overcoming and you getting your breakthrough and getting your, it, it increases my faith. I say, yeah, 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 this thing, this thing works. I, I, I can believe it again. Amen. So, so miracles increase your faith. Somebody say miracles increase your faith. It reinforced that to the Jews at that time that the Messiah has come. See, the, the, the Jewish people of that time still didn't believe that Jesus was the Messiah. They were still looking for the Messiah, but unbeknownst to them, the Messiah was working right in front of them. A lot of times we go through our life and we go through different things in our life and we don't realize that Jesus is working right in front of you. I don't know how many times that I've had that experience in my life where I was looking around at everything else and when I, did, I didn't look right in front of me and he was working that thing out right away already. Jesus commanded his disciples in chapter 14, verse 22, to precede him in the boat. He said, I got to go up and dismiss the multitude. I gotta, they got to go away. I got to send them away, and I got to go up to the mountain to pray. But y'all go first in the boat. And you have to understand that Jesus had discipled his disciples. They were used to him being around. They were used to him leading and guiding. And all of a sudden, here we come to, to the, 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 uh, the about to be the miracle of him walking on the water, and they're to go alone. They were, they were to go out on the water alone without uh, their savior, without their master, without their leader. They had to cross that sea alone. They had to launch out solely based on the command of Jesus. Jesus commanded them and said, go, and they had to go. He didn't offer any assurances. If you read in uh, verse 22 and 23, he didn't provide any, any, he didn't provide the boat. He didn't provide the means to get over the water. He didn't give you, amen, your, your, uh, your nail appointment and your hairdo. He didn't give you the car to drive into to come to church. He didn't give you the gas money to get to church. He said, go. 
Hello, somebody. Go, 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 go. He didn't even promise that he would see him on the other side. I'll see you over there. I'm going to be over there in a little while. He didn't even say that. He said, go. Somebody say, go, go, go. That's a word for somebody. God's telling you to go. You've been wondering. You've been waiting. You've been staying. You've been, you've been asking. You've been thinking. You've been planning. You've been visioning it. But God is saying tonight, go, go. I don't know who I'm talking to, but I'm, I was sent here to tell you to go, 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 go. God has commanded you to go. And he commanded them, and they had to act. When God speaks, you got to go. When God commands, you got to go. Have you ever found yourself at the crossroads of obeying God, but perhaps being alone in your obedience? That's a tricky place to be. I got to obey you, God, but I got to maybe do it alone. I got to be able to act alone. Do you know, don't you, don't, don't know what to expect as you journey across the sea. Don't know what you'll encounter when you get to the other side because your master leader, the guide, stayed behind. Your comfort zone is back at the shore. Your security blanket has remained behind you. What has God asked of you that requires you to cross the sea alone? He didn't say he'd always remain at the shore, he, uh, that he'd never come across with you, but he's looking for your obedience. Why? To activate your faith. Okay, okay, that, oh, let, me, let me say that one more time. He said, he's looking for your obedience in order to, for that your, so that your faith can be activated. You've got to activate your faith. Uh, a lot of, lot of facts that I didn't know about the Sea of Galilee, um, because that was the sea that the, the disciples were to cross at this juncture. It's known by other names, but it was the Sea of Galilee. It's present-day Israel. It's approximately the size of Washington, D.C., it's the largest freshwater lake in Israel. It's approximately 33 miles in circumference, three miles long, eight miles wide, and only 141 feet deep. Only 141 feet deep compared to, if you think about like Lake Tahoe, it's very deep. Lake Tahoe is very deep. But the Sea of Galilee, eight miles wide, but only 141 feet deep. Its location makes it subject to violent and sudden storms. It sits approximately 700 feet below sea level, and the winds coming from the eastern mountains tend to drop suddenly on the warm body of water. This is particularly troublesome when cold air from the east is blown over warmer air on the sea. The friction between the cold air and the hot air causes sudden changes that result in tremendous storms in a short and sudden period of time. This is where the disciples found themselves. They were in the middle of the sea at a very tumultuous time with bad weather all around them. Have you ever launched out based on your obedience to Christ only to find yourself in the middle of a storm? I thought I was obeying you, God. I thought I, thought I was listening to you. I thought I heard you. I, I thought I read it in your word. I thought I got that word last night at Friday night service. I thought only to find myself in the middle of a storm. Why would Jesus tell you to go somewhere only to encounter a storm along the way? Why, why, why? That just doesn't make sense. It doesn't seem plausible that he would orchestrate such a thing, our master, our savior, or does it? How do you know what your faith is if you never had to use it? You can't truly understand trust until you've had to trust in somebody or something. You can't truly understand a storm until you've had to face one. Does that sound a little familiar? What do you do when you're trying to obey God, but you're in the middle of a storm? What do you do? What do you do? Where's God? Where is he? He said for me to do this. He said for me to go here. He said for me to talk to this person. But now I've got this thing around me. I've got this storm around me. I'm in the middle of the sea. I can't see the shore. I can't see where I used to came, come from. I can't see where I'm going. I can't see north, south, east, or west. But God, I know what you said. But watch this. The storm is a temporary place. It's not meant to last. Be careful in the temporary place because when you make permanent decisions based on temporary situations or temporary circumstances, your life can be altered unfavorably. 
don't make permanent decisions in temporary places, but you've got to understand what's a temporary season in your life. The disciples had every chance to turn the boat around and to go back to shore, go back to what was familiar, go back to what was comfortable, go back to what was secure. They had every chance to do that, to, 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 to go find dry ground. But they did not do that because why? Jesus commanded that they go. He told them to go to the other side. Somebody say the other side. The other side, the other side. Haven't been there yet, but I'm going to the other side. I'm going, I'm moving. The boat was in the middle of the water when the storm hit. It was in the middle of the water when the storm hit. They were far from shore. Remember, this, uh, the, the Sea of Galilee is 33 miles long and 8 miles wide. So though it's not very deep, it's very large. It's, it's in the shape of a violin if you were to look at it in a, from an aerial map. They were far from the shore, far from dry land, lacking security, lacking comfort, lacking their, their leader, their master. Lacking the leadership, lacking that confidence, the confidence that being on dry land brings. I don't know about you, but when I first got into an airplane for the very first time, I, I, I began to really appreciate ground. Hello. I've been flying for many years. I flew on my first airplane when I was very young. My father played uh, almost semi-pro baseball. And when I was young, we would fly, and you know, I didn't remember that because I was very young. But fast forward, I started flying. But when I first got on that plane... Um, as a, you know, as a, uh, almost a teenager, when I really remember, I, I began to appreciate the ground. Imagine being a disciple in the middle of the ocean that's doing like this. You know, I've been on that cruise ship and that, you, you know, you can kind of feel that thing. I'm like, oh my God, if I can feel that, would it feel like if it was really, you know, these two. That's what the disciples were in. They obeyed God and got themselves into a storm, into the middle of the sea. Didn't have their leader, didn't have their master, didn't all their confidence was gone. All their trust was gone. What have you found yourself in the middle of? No land in sight, no consolation, no comfort in sight, just plain water tossing you to and fro in the middle of a storm. What do you do when you're in the middle of something you can't seem to get out of? Can't seem to get out of it. Jesus, the Bible says, and I found this very interesting, it says that he came to them, let's read it again, uh, verse twenty. Uh, let's see, what, what verse uh, did we go to here? Verse um, 25. And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them. The fourth watch is approximately between 3 a.m. and 6 a.m. in the morning. It's the, the final shift, if you will, of the night. So what this indicates to me is that they had been in the boat for almost all of the night until by the time that Jesus got to them. They had been in the storm almost the whole night until Jesus finally made his way on the fourth watch. It's a transitionary place. It's a shifting place. It's a changing place, changing of the guard. They were out at sea that entire time. And I wonder, in thinking about them at that time, the first question I would ask Jesus is, what took you so long? They didn't ask that, but that's what I would ask them. And I'd be real for a second. Been waiting on that promotion? Been waiting on that miracle healing, that breakthrough moment. Seems like you've been in the middle of the storm on the boat the entire night by yourself, the wave tossing you to and from. What do you do in the moment of waiting in the middle of the storm? What do you do? Waiting by itself can be a trying experience. But waiting in the middle of a storm, that's a whole other experience. What do you do when you find yourself in the waiting place, in the waiting room, waiting on the phone call, waiting on the email, waiting on the affirmation, the acceptance, you're just waiting. 
Somebody say waiting. It's a tricky place. But they stuck with what Jesus had commanded them to do, which was get on the boat and go. What's interesting to me in the next passage was, going into verse 26, was uh, when Jesus got on the water, all of the disciples saw him. All of the disciples heard him, and he, when they responded to him and he responded to them, he responded to all of the disciples. But Peter was the one who responded to God. And we've talked about Peter. We've heard about Peter. Peter's been preached up and down and to and fro. But Peter responded to Jesus. Somebody say he responded. All of them saw him. They heard him. He spoke to all of them, but Peter responded. And Peter responded to Jesus by faith. He responded with his faith. Somebody say his faith. It's one thing to see Jesus. It's one thing to hear Jesus in its word, but it's a whole other thing to respond to it. Responding to Jesus takes faith. If I could be real for a moment, it just takes plain old faith, right? Because I can't see you. I can't touch you. Maybe, maybe you have seen him. You know, I haven't seen him physically. Uh, but believing him and believing his word and doing what he says, it takes faith. Amen? All Peter had to stand on was Jesus' word come in verse 29 jesus said come peter had nothing else he had no other evidence he had no other assurance he didn't know it, what, what, if there was anything else that would cause him not to sink he just had that word he had jesus word by itself somebody say that word that one word all you need is that one word come that's all you need that's all you need that's all you need you don't need affirmation you don't need confirmation you just need that one word confirmation is nice affirmation is nice but jesus's word is better his word alone He came out of the boat, and by all intents and purposes, his humanity made him a great candidate to sink in the water. Have you ever tried to walk on water? I think you and I would sink immediately. But his faith, watch this, drew on Jesus' strength that was within him. I said his faith drew on his strength. It didn't draw on Peter's strength, but it drew on his strength. And when you and I draw on his strength, it causes us to imitate Jesus. I said your faith causes you to imitate him. So if he's walking on the water, guess what you're going to do, baby? If he's healing folks, guess what you're going to do, baby? If his finances are working, guess what your finances are going to be, baby? I said, your faith caused you to imitate Jesus. I don't know about you, but I want to imitate him. How do I know? Hebrews 11.1 1 says, now faith is the substance. Somebody say substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. That word substance in the Greek is hypostasis. Somebody say hypostasis which is translated express image. I said express image. It's an image. And it's your image. It's, it, 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 it's, it's his image in you. It's your image in him. I get his image in me. When my faith pulls on that strength and I, become, I begin to be like him, my image because his image and his image becomes my image. Faith pleases God. When, I, when we please God, we begin to walk with him. Our faith association gets us in concert with him. When you and I act on our faith, we're stepping into or taking on the image of Christ and begin to do what he does. We begin to say what he says. Our confession changes. I said my confession changes. I like this one. My attitude changes. Hello. You ever met them bad attitude saints and bad attitude Christian folks? Just tell them to get in your faith and your attitude will change. Praise begins to come forth instead of complaining. I begin to hear hallelujah. I begin to hear thank you, Jesus. I begin to hear, Lord, I bless you. Lord, I love you. And guess what? Doubt dissipates. Instead of grief and despair comes joy and hope. It comes out of my mouth. My demeanor shifts. Guess what? I start to look like him. 
I don't look what I used to look like. I begin to look like him. And I believe Peter began to see himself in Jesus on the water. He didn't see Jesus necessarily walking, but he saw what he could become in Christ. I said he saw what he could become when he saw Jesus coming. Peter was already around, aware of his surroundings. He had been on the boat all night with the rest of the disciples. He understood the gravity of the storm. He understood his storm. He understood the flimsiness of the troubled water, the insecurity of his situation, the unknown aspects of his future. Because, see, when I'm in the middle of the storm, I don't know necessarily, I, it's hard for me to see beyond the storm. But your faith causes you to push beyond the storm. I'll say that again. I said, your faith causes you to foot push beyond the storm. But watch this, Peter. He began to sink. He began to sink in verse 30. He became afraid and be, he began to sink. And I wanted to understand why Jesus told me to tell you on tonight to stop looking at the water. And he led me to Peter because Peter was the only one that stood out, stepped out of the boat, but he was also the one that sunk. The, he, he, they're, they're, the, he knew the situation, what, it, what he was in, but when I read about Peter and when I read that he had enough faith to get him out of the boat, but not enough faith to get him to help to walk to Jesus on the water, I said, what's going on here? Something, something don't make sense to me. I said, I said what's, what is this, the, the question? How was his faith strong enough to get him out of the boat and onto the water, but not to keep him on top of the water? And I believe that he lost his focus. Somebody say, don't lose your focus. His focus shifted. His eye gate allowed his circumstances to take his eyes off Jesus and look at the water. The water isn't your purpose. The water isn't your, 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 your method. Jesus is your purpose and your method. Your faith is going to get you there. But when I take my gaze off Christ, when I take my gaze off Jesus, when I take my focus and shift on what is troubling me, I begin to, somebody say, sink. And I'm talking to some sinkers on tonight. You have, you have shifted your focus. You've allowed some things to shift your focus. You've allowed some things to, 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 to take your eyes off Jesus, to take your eyes off what he said, to take your eyes off the vision, to take your eyes off the prize, prize, to take your eyes off the goal and the word and the prophecy that you got. And I'm speaking to you, sinker, because I have a word for you on tonight. It says, the Bible says that he took his, he, he began to look at the wind and he began to look at the water and be, he began to look at, at what he was surrounded with instead of what he was trying to get to. And my question to you is, what are you looking at? My question for you is, what are you focused on? My question for you is, what keeps your attention and your concentration? Is it him or is it your circumstance? Is it what, he, what, is, what you look like in him or was it, is, it be, is it what you think you're going to get yourself into because of what you're going through? Faith comes by hearing the word of God, but faith stays by doing the word of God. I got to keep it. I just can't hear it and, and let it come, but somebody say I got to keep it. I'll say it again. Faith comes by hearing, Romans 10, 17, by the word of God, but it stays by doing the word of God. How do I know that? I'm glad you asked me. Romans 4, 17 through 21, as it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations. Before him who he believed, even God, who quickeneth the dead, and calleth those things which be not as though they were, who against hope believed in hope, Abraham, that he might become the father of many nations. According to that which, he was, that which was spoken, so shall thy seed be. And being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead. 
When he was about 100 years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. Verse 20, watch this. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief. But he did the, he did the word of God because he was strong in faith, giving glory to God. I said he was strong in faith, giving glory to God. Abraham did the word and he kept his faith, stayed with him because he did the word of God. He didn't lose his focus. He didn't change his gaze. He didn't change his sight. He knew where his help come from. Psalms 121 says, I will lift up mine eyes to the hills from which cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord who made heaven and earth. Jesus permitted the storm because he knew the disciples' faith needed to be increased. Don't always blame your storm on the devil. And don't get bitter with God because of your storm. Your storm is there to increase your faith. Because Jesus is trying to get you to the other side of the sea. I said Jesus is trying to get you to the other side. Somebody say the other side. What awaits you on the other side of the sea is greater than what left you on the shore. I said what is waiting for you on the other side of the sea is greater than what you left on the shore. You got to leave some things behind to get to the other side. And it's going to take a greater level of faith. I said it's going to take a greater level of faith. When you get to the other side, I said when you get to the other side, God is going to have a blessing for you on the other side. You truly don't know your Savior until you've been saved from something, until you've been saved from someone. You truly don't know a storm until you've been in one. You also don't have a testimony until you've had to be tested. I said you haven't had, you can't have a testimony until you've been tested. You also can't overcome the enemy without a testimony. So when I'm going through the storm, you ought to say, thank you, Jesus. You ought to say, thank you, Jesus, because I'm getting ready. My test is getting ready to give me a testimony. Yes, it's tough. Yes, it's rough. But his word declares in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5, that he'll never leave you nor forsake you. He'll always be with you. Matthew 28, verse 20 says he'll always be with you. Even until the end of the earth I said he'll always be with you Psalm 46 and 1 it lets me know that he's a very present help in the time of trouble I said he's a very present help and Psalm 30 verse 5 says weeping may endure for a night but joy comes in the morning time I don't know who I'm talking to but the word that I have for you is lift up your head lift up your head stop looking at the water and start looking at jesus increase your faith increase your faith because your faith makes you imitate christ and when i imitate christ I start to be like him. I start to look like him. My situation chain. Oh, Lord. Keep looking at him. Keep looking at him. Keep looking at Christ. Don't look at the storm. Your answer is in Christ. Your next move is in Christ. Your faith is making you look like him. Put your hands together and bless him. Put your hands together and bless him. He's worthy of praise. He's worthy of praise. He's worthy of honor. Thank you, Jesus. I'm not looking at the water. 
but I'm looking at Christ. I'm not looking at my circumstance, but I'm looking at Christ. My faith is making me better. My faith is making me stronger. My faith is making me more blessed. I'm getting blessed as I talk right now. I'm getting blessed as I speak right now. My finances are coming together. My relationships are coming together. Hey, Jesus. Hallelujah. It's a word for somebody tonight. Thank you, Jesus, in Jesus' name. Blessed that wonderful 